0: Traveling to one of the big conference tourneys in Nashville or Minneapolis this March? Well, do yourself a favor and stay at Graduate Hotels. The Bridgestone Arena, Target Center, their hotels are close to both tournament venues, so why would you stay anywhere else? They're obsessed with college sports. Each Graduate Hotel is like a shrine to the local team with lots of cool detail for alumni, nods to school colors, mascots. Plus, our listeners can get up to 30% off with promo code CRSHOW. That's code CRSHOW. Book today at graduatehotels.com. You're listening to Fox Sports
2: Radio. 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 Right out of- it! And then there was one. There is but one week left in the 2018 NFL regular season. No more Thursday games, no Saturday games, no Monday night games. All remaining games are tomorrow, Sunday, just a few hours away. You know, the NFL... They did kind of a smart thing with Week 17 starting a few years ago. Did you notice that every game features a divisional matchup? And in a few cases, a key divisional rivalry. Frankly, Week 17 can be a little cryptic, kind of like preseason, right? Because who's got the motivation? Who doesn't care? Certain coaches know they're getting fired. Well, starters play, and there's correlation situations and scoreboard watching. Kind of like the preseason. You don't know. You see, it's... Like Yogi Berra might say, they have different similarities. But that's why we're here at Straight of Vegas. Because we're going to help you navigate all that. We've got some really good best bets for you tomorrow. And on that note, welcome back to another edition of Straight Out of Vegas. RJ Bell is out and about. I'm Bernie Frano. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. So visit geico.com for a free rate quote. This is the weekend edition of Straight Out of Vegas. You know, Straight out of Vegas airs Monday through Friday right here, Fox Sports Radio, iHeart Radio, Sirius XM Channel 83, from 3 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. R.J. Bell, Steve Fezzik, Brad Powers, and Jonas Knox. Each day they take you behind the scenes. They give you solid commentary, insights, all on the world of sports betting. And you can benefit from their years of expertise. So on Saturday night, our Saturday edition of Straight Out of Vegas, we look back at the best of. And we take another look at some of the most compelling takes and analyses from the previous week so you can enjoy them again. Here's the best thing about this concept. Each of the best of takes, well, they're designed to help you look ahead to this week's NFL action. During the week, five full hours, that's what the guys devote to providing the finest content. On the weekends, we distill it down to the best hour. And of course, well, I'm going to add my own inflection as well because I live in Las Vegas too and I've been privy to these guys and they're know-how for many years, so Every Saturday night, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern, join us. You're coming along for the ride. This is straight out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. Now, before we dive into the NFL slate, finally, finally, the college football Final Four orchestrated charade invitational kicked off today. Newsflash Bama won, Clemson won, not exactly man bites dog. And if you're so inclined, you want to put a shackle down right now? Bama is a six and a half point favorite. That's the consensus. And the total is about 60. And we'll talk much more about that next weekend show. So sit tight. Uh, tonight, we also continue our 10 second feature, which is gaining popularity. The cards and letters are pouring in. It's called Why You Were Sleeping with our own Sleepy J. See, while you're sleeping, the straight out of Vegas staff, we never sleep. This is Vegas, man. We work 24 7. We're going to find ways so you can distress your booking and impress your friends. And Sleepy J has been hot. Last week, he gave you the Bears on the road against the Niners, laying four and a half. Yep, they covered. He gave you the Steelers with some really good situations, catching six and a half against the Saints. Yep, they covered. Almost one out right. So give it up to Sleepy J. You'll be hearing him throughout the show tonight. Also tonight at the bottom of the hour, I'll take you inside the Frodo House for my weekly commentary. Now, last week, I gave an honest appraisal of the debacle we call the NFL official replay system. Tonight at the bottom of the hour, I will offer a plausible modification of the replay system in this week's Inside the Frato House. I'm not looking to throw out the baby with the bathwater. I just want to make it better so I don't have these incessant delays. They're killing me. They're sucking my will to live. Let's give you what you came for. And let's head to the nation's capital. And by the way, you you know what? Here's something you might want to know. Last week, home teams... They were one thirteen and one against the spread in Week 16. Wow. Yes, uh, we are the Department of Useless Information, encyclopedia of, well, well, you know what, maybe that's not so useless. All right, let's dive into this week. The Washington Redskins, the beleaguered Washington Redskins, they host the resurgent Philadelphia Eagles, Eagles laying six and a half on the road. And in this cut, R.J. talks about some internal personnel issues that have surrounded the Redskins' compound this week. And he wonders if that signals a quiet insurrection among the players. But RJ is emphatic that based on the decision that was made this week to release a certain player, the players were sent a message as to who's in charge and how that actually might tomorrow cause a "us against the world mentality for the Redskins in a one-game affair. However, Fezzik points out, even though this game will be played in the nation's capital... He expects a sea of green, Eagles fans, Eagles backers, turning this into a de facto Philly home game. Let's have a listen. To me in
3: this game, you got to ask yourself, what's going on in the building for Washington? So they have a safety, D.J. Swearinger, an alternate on the All-Pro or the Pro Bowl. Pretty good player, you would think, right? He got cut. Why did he get cut? because he questioned the defensive play calls last week against Tennessee. So you might think, RJ, wow, that's a sign of a team disruption. That's a sign of a team having some kind of coup. Well, no, that's a sign of the coup being stopped, saying we don't care who you are. I don't care if you're an all-pro alternate, pro Bowl alternate. We are going to cut you if you cause trouble. So if anything, I think this is a sign to the rest of the skins. They might not like it, but buckle up, do what the coach says, or who knows what's going to happen to your career. So as I'm considering this game, I think the fact Swearinger got cut probably speaks badly to Washington for the next two, three, four years. But I think for this week, it probably increases my interest in them because I think everyone's on notice, don't mess around, finish the season strong. The players may be on notice. My concern is the fans aren't going to be there at FedEx.
0: Two-thirds of this crowd, I think, will be Eagles fans.
3: Yeah, maybe, maybe. But, and, and that's a great point. But I think motivationally, I think if you think, oh, Washington's in disarray, I think they may be. But hey,
2: you know, if the guard has the gun on you, you still do what the guard says. All right, simple equation here. Philly must win, and they hope the Vikings lose to the Bears. Now, Nick Foles, well, he's been otherworldly, let's face it. He's now 8-2 and two as a starter, including the playoffs last year, and he threw for 741 yards in his last two games. Well, but the Eagles' defense is a different story. Since Week 10, they're allowing 420 yards per game, and they've got to provide run support to stop Adrian Peterson with a still – Decimated secondary. So from a betting standpoint, I really don't think you can lay the points here. Six and a half is a lot. It's one thing for the Eagles to overperform as dogs, as they have been, but dressing them up as a favorite is a different dynamic, and this appears to be a real overlay. Keep one thing in mind, though. It might be ancient history, but the Eagles are still defending Super Bowl champs. And in Week 17, the champs are 10-1 and one against the spread, when they're facing a foe who's coming off a loss. Philly could win, I expect him to win, and yeah, they could cover. Not a game I'll be involved in. All right, the Big Apple, the New York Giants, hosting the Dallas Cowboys, Giants are laying six. Now in this cut, RJ kind of talks about a teaching moment, and he references motivation. How important it is for teams to save face at home and to make sure that they're protecting their divisional turf. Let's give it a listen. Boy, this game
3: is a great teaching moment when it comes to what matters motivationally last week of the season. Late in the season, but especially last week of the season. One, is the team at home? Because home teams don't want to lay down in front of their fans. They're less inclined to lay down in front of their fans. Number two, is it a division game? Because a division game, you you don't like that other team typically, and thus you're less likely to lay down. And then finally, is the team on a losing streak? Because if a team's on a losing streak, they don't want to finish the year with a three, four, five-game losing streak. Well, think about the Giants here. They're on a losing streak. They lost two straight. They're at home, and they're playing the Cowboys. You would expect Giants to be motivated – But again, take those concepts. You can apply them to all the games Week 17.
2: Well, don't look now, but the Cowboys are 6-2 since the Amari Cooper trade, and they appear to be locked into the number 4 seed. But let's also give a tip of the cap to Ezekiel Elliott. He's rushed for 1,434 yards this season. He's going to win the rushing title. Heading into Sunday's game, he's a comfortable 183 yards ahead of Todd Gurley, and Gurley's not even going to play Sunday. But the question for this game is, how much will Jason Garrett play as starters? The Giants are favorites here, but only for the second time in the last 10 meetings between these two teams. So let's cut to the chase. Don't be in a hurry to lay the points here. The Cowboys might only be 4-18 and 18 against the spread in season finales, but the last time the Giants laid this many points against Dallas, they lost outright, 33-20. to 20. I remember that. That was when Jason Garrett took over as interim coach in 2010. All right, let's move along. Everything's big in Texas, including the line that Houston's laying against the visiting Jaguars. Texans are laying seven here. Now, depending on the outcome of this game, the Texans' fortunes could swing wildly. As such, the line causes some head scratching from both RJ and Fezzik as the betters are backing one side here in spite of the fact this is a team that really doesn't have anything to play for except pride. Let's have a listen. Who is this
3: line made for, Fez? Houston, with everything to play for. They could be the number one seed, and they literally could be the number six seed. Like, think about that. That's, I, I'm almost sure about that. I know they can be the five. I know that. And I know they can be the one. They have everything to play for. Jacksonville has nothing to play for, and the line's six and a half. And it's Houston at home. What's going on? Is this the the better, is this the bookies, the bad bookies saying, come on, baby, keep coming with Houston because they don't seem to care if they're lopsided on Houston, which that scares me. That makes me not want to bet Houston. It is a curious line move from seven down to six and a half. Apparently the betters love Blake
2: Bortles suddenly. All right, I'm not going to play around here. This is my best bet of the week, or one of my three best bets. Put this in your pipe and smoke it. Home teams in Week 17 that are guaranteed a playoff spot, that's Houston, against a full with a losing record, they're a mind-boggling 32-2 straight up and 29-5 against the spread. And the Texans, oh boy, they get to face the legendary Cody Kessler, who brings a career record of 10-2 straight up and 4-8 against the number. Even in victory last week, Kessler only threw for 107 yards. By the way, in Kessler's last state starts, his teams are averaging 11 points a game. That wouldn't get it done against the Houston Astros, much you know, much less the Houston Texans. I love the Texans in a blot, boys and girls. All right, let's move along. Titans hosting the Colts. Colts laying three here. And in this uh, cut, RJ points out the fallacy of relying too much on trends because it's too easy to misinterpret them. And that can cause a line to become expensive. So you're better off staying away from a game if you misinterpret a trim, let's have a listen. Sometimes you need to know the trends to follow.
3: Sometimes you need to know the trends to ignore, if anything, fade. All this talk about, oh, and Andrew Lux never lost to Tennessee. Who effing cares? It's a new coach. So the idea that, again, these, these franchise trends are often about the quarterback and the coach – And to me, in this case, it's mostly about the coach. And I think that narrative, he's never lost, he's never lost, wow. To me, that's affecting the line. And it's not so much I think it makes Tennessee the better bet, but if Indianapolis gets more expensive because everyone's thinking Andrew Luck never loses against these guys, that means there possibly is value on Tennessee.
2: On a side note, the Titans signed quarterback Austin Davis this week. And so – why would they do that? I mean, it's a true indicator that Marcus Mariota, he's really broken down. Now, this is a playoff game, literally. The winner is in. The loser can show themselves out the door and collect the home version of the game. But here's my take, and I mentioned this to Arnie Spanier and Aaron Torres uh, about an hour ago. The Colts, man, they're, they're, the hot, they're the moment's rage right now. They've won eight out of nine, they're, and they're looking good doing it. Their offense is number one in third-down efficiency. That's huge. They're converting at almost 50%. That that's incredible. They're averaging 407 game uh, yards per game on offense. Andrew Luck's throwing 36 touchdown passes, only that second only to Patrick Mahomes. Luck is 16 and six in December games, and did I mention Luck's never lost to the Titans? Face it, the Colts own this series, 12 and two overall, five and one against Tennessee on the road, and in the last 14 games, Andy owns a point differential of plus 109. Somewhere, Bubba Smith is smiling. By the way, since October 1st. Indy's averaged 27 points a game, that's 15 in the NFL, and they're only allowing 16 points per game. That's first. Simply put, Indy is going to win and cover here. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more in car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. Up next, we're going to talk about quarterbacks on contract years, Jets, Patriots, Dolphin Bills. And a lot more. We're just getting started. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted. So don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight
0: Out of Vegas!
2: We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. The New England Patriots, forever a lightning rod. They have to win tomorrow. To keep their number two seed, they don't want to go on the road. They want at least one game in Foxborough. They're laying 13.5 to the Jets. In this cut, RJ points out that if the Pats really want to get back to the Super Bowl, they have to get back to old school concepts and football basics like, you know, blocking and tackling. As such, RJ surmises what Belichick's game plan will be as the Pats, well, as I said earlier, they need to win to secure the number two seed. Let's give it a listen. How Are the Patriots going to make the Super Bowl by having shootouts without
3: Josh Gordon, without any real downfield playmaker, or playing old-school defense, home-field advantage, run the ball with their first-round pick, Michelle, football? Well, the Bills, last week's opponent for New England, a better rush defense. So what would Belichick typically do? Throw. He likes to go against your weakness. Still, though, the Pats ran. What does that tell you? Belichick wants to run. Now the Jets actually defensively much weaker against the run. My thought is you're going to see a ton of running f- from the Pats.
2: Right before our eyes, the Pats have been transformed into a ball control field position team. They play very conservatively. They're no longer explosive. You saw last week they ran the ball 47 times against the Bills. So this might be an inflated line because the Jets, well – you know, they're not that bad. They're going to play hard tomorrow. It's a divisional game. Their coach is getting fired. I think they like their coach. Part of the reason I think the Pats are laying such a big line is due to the brand name recognition and reputation, but I don't really think you can lay the points here. By the way, the, the Pats are only 1-3 against the spread in December after going 9-1 and one against the number the past two Decembers. But there is one stat you can't ignore if you do want to lay the points. The New England Patriots, they're a gaudy 18-1 straight up, and fourteen and five against the spread when playing a home game versus a team coming off consecutive losses. You've got that situation here. All right. That said, upstate New York, the Bills lay in five and a half against the visiting Dolphins. Now, this is my best bet of the week. I'm going to get to that in a minute. You may have heard the team, the term "dream crusher." See, well, RJ is going to define what that means in this cut, why it happens, and how a team might react, so you can back the right side and cash your ticket. Meanwhile. Well, Fezzik, he dons his weatherman cap. He points out the reality when teams travel from the, sun, the sunshine state to a northern winter climate. Let's give it a listen. We have trademarked
3: the term dream crusher. That means a team loses a game that made their season-long goal impossible. Their dreams were crushed. Miami, last week their dreams crushed. Now what's worse the game after that? You're usually a letdown, usually flat, is going to the cold, windy Buffalo against a very physical running Bills team. I think the matchup is horrible for Miami. And if you don't t- think a team from Miami might not struggle in the cold, well, just yesterday the Miami Hurricanes went to New York City and got
0: crushed by Wisconsin as a favorite.
2: All right For starters, the Dolphins are 1-6 and six on the road this year. They've been outscored on the road by 98 points. They're 1-11 and 11 on the road in the last 12 in the Adam gay era. You detect a pattern, that's why it's my best bet of the week. This game's a bargain. The Bills have been completely under the radar the last eight weeks. They've been out-yarding teams by an average of 80 yards per game. Contrast that with the Dolphins being out-yarded by 120 yards per game in the second half of the season. Not a bad parlay here. Now, meanwhile, the Dolphins, well, they're only 7-17 and 17 straight up and 9-16 and against the spread on the road in games in the Adam gay era. It gets worse. Gase is 0-8 straight up and one and seven against the spread when heading on the road following a home loss. Final number so your head doesn't explode. The, B- <laughs> the Bills, they're a cool 23 and three against the spread following the New England game, if they are facing an opponent with a losing record. The Bills romp here. Now, before we move along though. Let's go to our man Sleepy J for another while you were sleeping vignette. He's got another angle on this game involving the total.
1: Yeah, very windy game tomorrow there, Bernie in Miami and Buffalo. Uh, snow showers are also possible. Both teams, they struggle to pass the ball. As they both rank 30th and 31st in passing. Buffalo, number one, pass defense. So yards through there are going to be tough to come by running the ball. Will be key, hence that's going to chew up the clock. And that's why I like the under in Buffalo tomorrow. Miami, Buffalo under. 39-and-a-half.
2: All right, you heard it from Sleepy J. He's been hot. Let's head, head down to the Big Easy. Let's keep it moving. Saints minus seven and a half against the visiting Panthers. In this game, R.J. talks about the fact that New Orleans will play their backup quarterback since the Saints, well, they're locked in as the number one seed. Now, in a surprise prediction, though, R.J. intimates that this move to sit-breeze, well, it might actually still produce a ton of offense and give Sean Payton a chance to evaluate his roster. By the way, I bet you forgot who the Saints' backup quarterback is. You want to know? Have a listen. I actually think that that Bridgewater, because he
3: will play most likely a big chunk of the game, I don't know if he starts, I don't know if it's after a possession or two, but I think, wait, they gave up a third rounder, if I remember, for Bridgewater. Drew Brees is old. Bridgewater isn't. This could be a real beta test, a real let's throw the heck out. You might think, oh, the game doesn't matter for the Saints. It doesn't, which means you can let Bridgewater throw, 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 and see what you got with Bridgewater. I actually think the Saints score more points with Bridgewater throwing than they would with Drew Brees being conservative. So I actually like the Saints. I don't like the Saints in the game as much. I think the Saints score a bunch and Bridgewater throws a bunch.
2: All right, after three straight road games, the Saints got back on track in the Dome last Sunday versus Pittsburgh. And here's what I mean they scored 31 points. They were only averaging 17 in their three road games. Plus, they were only 55%, or excuse me, they were 55% on third down efficiency at home last week after only being 33% third down success in those road games. Now, do you detect a pattern? Well, you should because Sean Payton reminded his team before the Pittsburgh game that he's never lost a home playoff game in five tries. Meanwhile, on the road, well, the Saints are only 1-5 and in playoff games. The verdict? Capturing the number one seed was huge for the Saints last week heading into the playoffs. It might, you know, have given them a straight shot into the Super Bowl. We'll see. But for what it's worth, the Saints at home, even with their backup quarterback, I think they're going to pound the Panthers tomorrow. In case you missed it, Carolina's only 1-12 and against the spread when following a loss and facing a divisional rival in a revenge rematch. All right, coming up, we got Falcons and Bucks. We're going to tackle, why is Aaron Rodgers playing tomorrow? And we're going to unpack the Bears-Vikings. And also, after this, we're going to get to my Inside the Fratto House weekly commentary. But first... Let's go to Brian Finley with the latest. Hey, hey, thanks so
0: much. Yeah, you wanted drama, you wanted upsets, then Saturday's college football playoff games were letdowns. Alabama took care of Oklahoma 45-34. Real talk, though, that final score a bit deceiving because Bama had a 28-0 lead at one point. In the other semifinal, Clemson upstaged Notre Dame 30-3. And not sure who's hurting more from this loss, the Fighting Irish fans – or the Georgia faithful who thought their team should have been in instead of Notre Dame. In the other bowl games on Saturday, nobody cared about. Nevada triumphed over Arkansas State 16-13 to in overtime. Virginia blanked an uninspired South Carolina team 28 nothing. Florida flattened Michigan 41-15. The Wolverine's effort a bit hard to stomach. You know, online car shopping can be confusing too, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car confident car buying experience and in UFC 232 on Saturday John Jones takes back the title in the 205 weight class finishing off Alexandra Gustafsson in three rounds and Amanda Nunez knocked out Chris Cyborg in under a minute to become the new featherweight champion back to you
2: hey Brian quick question yeah Regarding NFL replay, are you do, do those delays drive you as nuts as they drive me, or do you figure that's just the price we have to pay to get it right? I want things to be correct because I think that we can debate about a lot of different
0: aspects of a game, but one thing we can take the guesswork out of more so than not is if we have the instant replay there and to a level of complexity that will help make games turn out where there's less of a human element and air to it. I don't care about how much time it takes right. as long as we're getting it fair, I I'm all for
2: it. All right, I appreciate your candor, Ryan Bersinger. You want to tackle that question? Absolutely. Uh, it it drives me crazy when the call is obvious. Uh, if uh,
1: if you can see it on the first time when they when when the ref watches back the replay, have them yeah. watch it one more time and then come out and and move on. Everything's good.
2: All right, good thoughtful answers, guys. So at this point, I remind you, wake the kids, alert the neighbors, grandpa put on pants. It's time for another rousing edition of Inside the Fratto House. Now, how many times have you heard this stat? Although NFL games last about three hours, in reality, there's only 12 minutes of actual game action. And on top of that, well, there's another 12 minutes of replay delays as the officiating crew puts their heads together to make a rock pile where they'd stare at the notepad, which used to be under the hood. Was he inbounds or out of bounds? Across the goal line or just short? Catch or no catch? Did he complete the process? Was the ball out before he hit the ground? Was his elbow down? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're sucking my will to live. It's not that I hate replay. I hate its execution. Now, last week I railed on the format of the current official NFL replay system. But then if you saw the end of the Steelers-Saints game, you could easily argue the system worked perfectly. At high speed, it looked like the Saints' TD effort was just short. But when reviewed by officials, and yes, it took forever, the Saints were correctly awarded a touchdown, which led to a victory and along with it probably killed the playoff dreams of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And yes, I'm curious about how people in the Steel City feel about official replay. But if you heard my rant last week, you might think I want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Not true. The, con- the concept of replay is okay, but carrying out the process is very clunky. It's slow. It's painful. It's maddening. Let's take a trip down memory lane, and I'll explain myself. On February 22, 1985, the USFL did something historic. They ratified a very progressive rule. USFL commissioner Harry Usher said the instant replay rule would be used on an experimental basis in two exhibition games because it was an idea whose time had come. It would mark the first time a major professional sports league employed a television replay to check officials' calls on a regular basis during the regular season. Here's the key point, and this is my essential premise. Under the new rule, a team could have one appeal each half in three specific situations. One, to determine whether there was a fumble. Two, whether a pass was complete, incomplete, or intercepted. And three, whether the ball had penetrated the goal line. That's it. If such an appeal was overruled, the team making the appeal would be charged with a timeout. You see the driving force here? The replay could only be dictated by the team who believed they were the aggrieved party. You could only appeal once per half. Let's fast forward to last Sunday. Michael Thomas of the Saints catches a two-yard pass with a minute to go and at high speed appears to be stopped just short of the goal line. Replay, of course, showed Thomas had, in fact, crossed the plane touchdown Saints. Now, under the Bernie Fratto official replay format, we would turn the clock back to 1985. The play could still be reviewed, but only if Saints coach Sean Payton and his staff had the wherewithal to throw the challenge flag in time, and provided he hadn't already used up as a lot of challenge in the second half. So we could still have replay with all of the additional delays, which aren't even being overturned over 80% of the time. It would also eliminate indiscriminate challenges that are sometimes done at the whim of ticked-off coaches. I mean, come on. I saw a fourth-quarter challenge earlier this year from a team who was trailing by 28 points. Easy-peasy. Cut down on delays, teeth gnashing, and a whole lot of time. Will the NFL do it? No. Not a dot in my mind. They're way too stubborn and doctrinaire. Now, hell, it took 14 years for them to even try a version of the USFL system. In the meantime, I hope your favorite team isn't on the wrong side of a bad call that costs you a game or, worse yet, a cover. I've got nothing against Dean Blandino. Seems like a good man. But every time I see his face on the screen, I'm not inspired. I'm frustrated. I want to see some of that 12 minutes of action. With less delays, less confusion, and less play stoppages. Yes, keep instant replay. But make the challenges at the behest of the head coaches only. Not the officiating crew. Well, of course, as Dennis Miller would say, that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. All right, let's get back to the NFL slate. Tampa Bay... Hosting the Atlanta Falcons, laying one and a half. And then in this cut, well, RJ talks about the contract status of Bucks QB Jameis Winston and how Coach Kirk Cutter might treat this game as a result. Sounds like Coach Cutter's game management might be superseded by future planning as it pertains to Tampa Bay's final game. Let's have a listen. We talked about it
3: a number of times. Winston has a contract, which if he gets hurt, it's guaranteed for his fifth year and it's 20 plus million. We were surprised they let Winston play because every play they were risking, risking that contract. I think now they've probably decided, hey, we're going to go with Winston. It would seem because they kept letting him play, and he played pretty well at least one more year go with them for Tampa. Now you got the coach, Cutter, saying the backup, Kyle Griffin, I guess the third stringer, might get some significant time. I think now that they've seen enough of Winston – and now they're talking about Griffin playing really makes me think because of both, hey, let's see what we got with Griffin. But also, if we're going to sign Winston, let's make sure he doesn't get hurt because there is that $20 million guarantee. My feeling is we see less Winston than you might think.
2: For starters, Tampa Bay is only 3-21 and against the spread versus foes playing back-to-back road games. Matty Ice is 11-4 straight up and against the spread in December road games when he's facing an under-500 opponent. But here's the real kicker. For whatever reason, the Falcons are 12-2 and against the spread in their final road game of the season, including 7-0 and if their opponent has a losing record. Weird, but true. All right, the Lions go to Green Bay, Packers laying 8. Now, RJ's very puzzled here as to why the Packers aren't sitting their celebrity quarterback. And the question is, even though he starts the game, how long will he play for, especially if this game starts to become one-sided? Let's have a listen. To me, I just don't understand
3: why Aaron Rodgers is playing. I got last week, I got the narrative, the idea that, hey, we were 0-7 on the road, the Packers, and we don't want to be 0-8. But now, you know, with his number one receiver, questionable too for Green Bay, you got to wonder if they get down 10-0 does Aaron Rodgers sit? Because remember, Green Bay was down big last week and stormed back late. I think they were down 15 against the Jets. I don't think Green Bay does that here. So I have no doubt Aaron Rodgers, or I'm highly likely he's going to
2: start, but I think there's a real chance Aaron Rodgers doesn't finish the game. Another stellar year for my Honolulu and blue Detroit Lions. Once again, they started slow and then they faded. Now the natives are restless. They want Matt Patricia fired. He won't be. They want Jim Bob Cooter fired. He will be. Aaron Rodgers wants to play, and he will play. And although this hasn't been a season to remember for the pack, they're still 17-2 and straight up and 15-4 and against the spread at home in December in the Aaron Rodgers era. Meanwhile, the Lions, well, they're averaging 14 points a game since Thanksgiving. I think it's an easy one here. Back the pack, cash a ticket. But before we move on, let's go to our man Sleepy Jay for another why we're sleeping vignette
1: because he's got another angle on this game. Yeah, both the Packers and the Lions wide receivers are banged up, as RJ mentioned. I'm not sure how much they'll play or if they're even going to play at all, Bernie. You got two franchise quarterbacks in Rodgers and Stafford, two banged up wide receivers in Adams and Galladay playing in a game that means absolutely nothing. I thought this total was actually high already, and if those players are going to sit or limit it in action, this game's going to stay well under the total. I already bet the Lions and Packers under 45.5.
2: There you go. Good stuff, Sleepy Heart. We haven't even gotten to Raiders and Chiefs yet. We got that and much more. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 50% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 1 800 947 AUTO. That's A U T O. The only hard part figuring out which way is easier. This is the pregame show you've always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto. Don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas.
3: Straight Out of Vegas!
2: We're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Great news there's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com and in 15 minutes, you could say 15% or more on car insurance. Before I get to Raiders Chiefs, huge props to my guys back in Los Angeles. That would be Iowa Sam, the man for all seasons, producer Ryan Bershinger, and Brian Finley. Thanks, guys, for all your efforts. Could not do the show without you. And let's not forget, here in Las Vegas, the jack of all trades, my man Sleepy Jay. You'll hear from him in just a minute here on his best bet. But first, the Chiefs laying 14 at home against the visiting Raiders. Now, motivation is a big buzzword in Week 17 games. And after last Monday night's big win in what might have been the final game in Oakland for the Raiders, R.J. wonders how in the heck Oakland gets back up again for this one. And Fezzik reminds us of a rather cryptic quote by Raiders coach John Gruden. Let's take a listen. Speaking of motivation,
3: the Raiders, at least by the eye test, and we thought right here on Straight out of Vegas it could be so, extra motivated on Monday night, last game likely in Oakland. Now they're on the road off that quote-unquote Super Bowl-type effort. I think Raiders' motivation here is certainly, or at least a flat spot, a letdown for the Raiders is very possible. Gruden, after winning on Monday Night Football,
2: actually said it's great to end the year with the win. Apparently he doesn't realize he's got a Week 17 game here.
3: But he's still getting paid $10 million a year.
2: After starting 8-0 against the number, the Chiefs have covered once since November 4th. Tomorrow will be the second time. I'm not even going to waste your time. Just lay the points. Go to sleep. This game has 41-13 to written all over it. All right, before I get to Cardinal Seahawks, let's go to our man Sleepy Jay with another while you were sleeping vignette, his best bet of the weekend. It might involve an L.A. team.
1: Well, the Chargers are getting healthy, Bernie, and the Broncos are kind of banged up now. Denver starting running back Phillip Lindsay is now out. And the Broncos' offense hasn't done much in their last three games. Bernie, Denver hasn't even gained more than 300 yards in the last three games. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to lay the points here. My best bet for tomorrow, L.A. Chargers, minus the
2: 6.5. I'm with you. I, I like that game a lot. The Bolts are a cool 8-2 against the spread in Denver in their last 10, and I think the Chargers can name their score tomorrow. Denver's done, and probably Vance Joseph is too. Sorry, Vance. It's just that's the way I see it. All right, the uh, – Vance Joseph is the Broncos head coach, folks, if you're scoring at home, and I hope you are. Uh, Seahawks laying 13 and a half against the Arizona Cardinals. RJ, in this cut, he asked the $64 question that any NFL team would face if they ended up with the number one pick. Now, if they know they can, can, they can potentially control that before the final game is played, well, how do those teams deal with that reality? Let's have a listen. Here's the question. NFL teams don't tank. But if
3: you got the number one pick in your sights, does that have, and a coach likely out the door, what are you playing for? I get it. NFL teams don't tank. But if a team's ever going to put in less than 100% effort, if there's ever going to be a situation where the GM, the owner, it comes down on high, hey, maybe this third-string quarterback should get some time, maybe this, maybe that,
2: it would be this game, and it'd be obviously a negative for Arizona. Russell Wilson has been in the league seven years, and he's presided over a winning record all seven years as a starter. Now, the Seahawks are basically locked into the number 5 or 6 seed, and frankly, there's some trends that actually favor the home team here against the spread, I mean. But without really knowing how long the starters are going to play on each side, I think this game's going to be a pass for me. All right, let's head to Minnesota, a game I have real interest in. The Vikings are laying five and a half. They're hosting the Bears, and this is one of those weird deals by whereby if one side wins, believe it or not, these two teams could actually play each other again next week. But it also depends on what happens in the Rams game. As such, R.J. deduces that if the Rams appear to be winning, that's going to lead to a certain advantage to one of these teams, and R.J. reveals who and why in a very heady analysis. Let's have a listen. Chicago,
3: if Minnesota wins will likely play Minnesota again next week. Because of that, that makes this one of the most complex games I've ever seen because the theory is Chicago isn't, once they see if they do, the Rams are going to win the game, Chicago is going to be very motivated not only to take their starters out, but to quit showing anything schematically, to go vanilla because they've got to go against the very same team the next week. I think that's a big advantage
2: for Minnesota. Minnesota must win here, or they will need the Eagles to lose to sneak into the postseason tournament. The good news, since firing their offensive coordinator, John DeFilippo, three weeks ago, Vikes are averaging 34 points a game versus the 21 under DeFilippo. They're also averaging 160 yards per game on the ground, double what they were getting before. But there's a sidelight to this game. If the Rams win, it doesn't matter what the Bears do. They can't improve their lot. So I get the feeling Minnesota gets it done here, given their dramatic home-road dichotomy. In Minneapolis, they're 3-0 and in their last three with a point differential of plus 46 while averaging 30 points a game. Now, Kirk Cousins is 9-19 and as a starter against opponents with a winning record. That doesn't inspire confidence, but I still think the Vikings win here, even though it might be a squeaker. A couple of quickies. I think the Rams are going to pound the 49ers. They're laying 10 half. They're still mad about losing at home a couple of weeks ago to Philly as big favorites. They'll get it done. And again, let's not forget, like I told Aaron and Arnie, it's the Marvin Lewis Meaningless December Rebound Tour so we can get a contract extension. It continues in fine fettle. The Bengals are getting 14 and a half here. I like the Bengals, especially if Baltimore beats Cleveland, which I think they will. Pittsburgh will probably lay down. All right, folks, that is going to do it for this week's edition of straight out of Vegas. I'm Bernie Fratto. But don't go anywhere. Up next, a man who once hung out with Don King on New Year's Eve and yes, it was a hair-raising experience. Yep, it's my man Jonas Knox. Straight out of Vegas. <laughs> Traveling to one of the big conference tourneys in Nashville or Minneapolis
0: this March? Well, do yourself a favor and stay at Graduate Hotels. The Bridgestone Arena, Target Center, their hotels are close to both tournament venues. So why would you stay anywhere else? They're obsessed with college sports. Each Graduate Hotel is like a shrine to the local team with lots of cool detail for alumni, nods to school colors, mascots. Plus, our listeners can get up to 30% off with promo code CRSHOW. That's code CRSHOW. Book today at graduatehotels.com.
2: United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN.
0: Billie Eilish and Phineas
1: O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call.
0: I'm your host, Anthony Delasandra. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art.
1: You know, I had to, like, choose a more challenging route than just, like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been, like, easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple and what else was it gonna like that's what the song wanted
0: thanks for listening to this episode of the crew call podcast on deadline